Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. You're listening to Unlocking Vulnerability, a podcast produced by Helen Pettifer, helping you better understand consumer vulnerability. Hello, I'm Helen Pettifer, and welcome to Unlocking Vulnerability. In this episode, I'm delighted to welcome my special guest, Ellis White. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of effective policies in the workplace. During this episode, we will mention the topic of mental health and suicide. Ellis is a business psychologist with a master's degree in psychology and further training in counselling and education. She is a graduate member of the British Psychological Society and principal practitioner of the Association of British Psychologists. And she's just about to start a doctorate investigating how education and training in mental health can impact an organisation's attitudes, productivity, sickness absence and staff retention. Established in 2017, her business mindset is here to engage, educate and empower organisations to provide solutions to improve and sustain good mental well-being. Elise has experienced working with a number of international industries with a variety of mental health needs, which includes policy writing, well-being audits, mental health workshops and training. Hello, Elise. It's wonderful to have you on my podcast. Good morning, Helen. Uh, Helen, how are you? <laughs> yes, really well, thank you. It's great to have you. So, I mean, that was a, that was a great introduction. It sounds like you're a really busy person. So, do you want to just give us a, a brief introduction to yourself? Okay. Well, your your introduction was already really great. So, thank you for that. I am a business psychologist. So, business psychology is um, an applied science, and we investigate how to make people and uh, and organisations more effective. Um, So we use methods to support people, workplaces and organisations to sort of better align their needs and have uh, create a healthy, productive and mutually beneficial relationships between the organisations and their employees. Um, So things that I would do, I support uh, the organisation's development. Um, I would coach and have leadership development sessions. Um, I look into their employee engagement. So we might um, look at their cultures and their staff surveys to understand the functioning and how people feel at work currently. We promote health and well-being at work through things like training and communications and we might do some mental health workshops or activities throughout the throughout the year 
things like World Mental Health Day. And, and one of the important things that I do is to help enrich company policies to make sure that it better supports mental health. So policies and procedures are an essential component to any organisation. Um, but if effective policies aren't in place, then it tends to have a negative impact on the organisation's values, their day to day, and it impacts people's lives. My role enriches those policies, supports better mental health and reduces the risk of things that might confuse people, cause more stress and poor employee and organisational outcomes such an important topic as well isn't it at the moment looking after our staff you know with everyone working from home and and remote and and just feeling as if they're not really part of the the organization it must be really difficult to to keep everyone engaged and the reason I've sort of invited you onto this podcast is that we we got in touch because I had in my mind that I wanted to create this suicide policy for organizations and that's obviously what we've been working on recently together which is fantastic so thank you for your help on that I think with regards to suicide, it is a topic that is very close to my heart. How important is it that businesses have this type of policy in place? So poor mental health affects nearly everyone at some stage in their life, and it doesn't discriminate. And there are so many different trigger points that can influence a person's mental health and work stress, relationship breakdowns, money worries, to name a few. And of course, the COVID pandemic, um, as you mentioned. So apparently during this pandemic, around one in six people have experienced a common mental health concern. Formally, mental health is classed as a hidden disability um, and the symptoms are not necessarily immediately obvious to people. And although it can be seen in, in both sexes, it is something that unfortunately a disproportionate number of of men experience poor mental health outcomes and reach crisis point to the point that they take their own lives and having suicide policies in place will ultimately hope to save lives sadly within the UK and Republic of Ireland there were almost 7,000 suicides in 2018 and this overall suicide rate is actually increasing so with the policy you are enabling people to have the knowledge, the skills and the confidence on how to recognise and respond to somebody that might be experiencing a mental health crisis. And hopefully the ultimate aim is to save lives. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's great that what I had envisioned for my policy, you you really brought it to life with, with all your knowledge and, and the wording and the technical elements as well so I think actually the policy that we've created is is really powerful and, and is a great tool not just for for looking out for their staff but also for looking out for the customers because obviously that's what I do is I help organizations with their vulnerable customers and a lot of organizations are experiencing conversations with customers that are very much on the edge now mm-hmm. I think it's it's really impacting a lot of people isn't it definitely I know that policies are often considered a bit of a burden and they always seem to be a bit of a dry subject as well. And and compliance is, I think compliance is seen as very much like a tick box exercise, isn't it? So why do we need to have policies? Why are they so important? Well, policies are so much more than a tick box exercise and a legal requirement. They're actually the foundations of a safe and supportive workplace. Um, So having good and effective 
policies and procedures in place that help create a smooth functioning organisation where everyone's working in harmony together is really important. And if those guidelines aren't clear and if they're not enforced, then you're likely to see poor employee outcomes and organisational outcomes. So that'll be things like a higher incidence of accidents, uh, poor mental health, high staff turnover and, and poor fi- uh, financial outcomes as well. And I love the I love the way that you phrased it, that you know, everyone working in harmony. I think actually that's that's really what organisations need to be achieving, isn't it? That consistency across every single department, every single individual in that organisation, regardless of their job role. Those policies are in place for every single one of them. And, and I love that that thought of working in harmony. It's a powerful phrase, actually. So I, I might take that forward to my training. So fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> So you also mentioned there about sort of a good and effective policy. So how would you define a good and effective policy? What does that involve? Policies need to be clear and concise, but they also need to be easy to understand. They need to have all of the information uh, so that everybody knows how to keep safe and supported at work. And effective policies need to outline what employees must and mustn't do. It must have, you know, directions and guidance to, for decision making and and it needs to be clear and concise for the whole workforce um, and not overly complicated yeah and it's not it's not having reams and reams of pages of of text and information isn't it because I think that's that's one thing I've noticed with our suicide policy is that it's it's only six pages and page six is a flowchart so it's kind of five pages of information and and the the six pages is visual so they don't need to be overcomplicated, do they? They don't need to be pages and, and pages of information. Absolutely right. With your experience in a policy writing, what, what are some of the mistakes that you see organisations making when it comes to their policies? I think the most common mistake I have seen is where organisations haven't made their policies aimed at the demographic of their workforce. Um, So I read so many complicated, long, inaccessible policies that are overly wordy. And while we do need those policies to fit legal requirements and legislation, we want them to be accessible, simple, easy to understand, no matter who you are within the organisation. You should be able to um, understand how that organisation manages that particular issue. And often, as you've mentioned, they become quite lengthy and sometimes they need to be. If they do become quite lengthy, it's important to summarise those key points so that if you need to easily access that information, they know where to turn to for for the main points. So an example is exactly as you mentioned when we wrote the suicide policy. I took the time to write out how to support somebody in a crisis, but I also included a flowchart at the end. And it summarises those key points so that people can quickly reference it without necessarily needing to go through the whole document over again. On the other hand, we mentioned that policies can be long, um, but sometimes I do feel that some policies aren't necessarily detailed enough and they focus on the values and the principles of what their organisation aims to achieve, which is fantastic, but then it doesn't include any information on how to you know direct and provide that guidance for decision making so it's all well and good saying you're committed to something and you know this is what your organization's values are but 
also how are you going to make how are you going to take effective action to ensure that that happens so sometimes that last part is actually missing and if the policy isn't clear that usually leads to conflict and poor employee outcomes which then stops the working in harmony bit isn't it and, and actually it's the policy I guess then needs to have the the what we need to do and then the how we need to do it I guess they they work together definitely so I would to summarize I would probably say my my top tips is to make sure that you're writing for the demographic of your workforce you know is everybody going to understand this policy no matter who you are um so make sure that the language is is easily understood and um and it's accessible for them if it is lengthy because um, some of them need to be make sure that you've got you know summarizing key points at the end so that people can understand what that policy says from start to finish without necessarily having to read it through again and again and make sure that as you mentioned you have the what but also the how that you're going to do it to make sure that you're guiding that, that decision making for your employees and hopefully that will reduce the risk of any poor outcomes. Yes, yeah. And I do like the idea of, of the flow chart at the end being the, the summary, because I'm, I'm hoping then that sort of organisations, when they embed that into to their organisation culture, that, that employees print off the last page and maybe pin it up next to their um, next to their computer or next to their telephones. So actually, when they are having that conversation, it is that quick guide, right? OK, this is this is how the customer is presenting or this is how a colleague is presenting. What, what are my next steps of how I can support that individual? That was so, exactly yeah. my mindset when I was writing it perfect brilliant I knew that we we sort of we were aligned when we were creating this this policy which is absolutely fantastic and also I've got um, a vulnerable customer policy as well that we're just sort of updating and, and, and revising sort of for, for 2021 so so that's just sort of two policies that that w you know we're working on together what other policies do you think firms should have in place both for legal and regulatory purposes and uh, specifically around vulnerability so I would say that specifically in regards to vulnerability, it does depend on your industry. Um, so remember to always be people focused and understand the needs of your organisation, your employees and your client groups first. And then you can make more effective decisions on what policies and procedures you need in place to support those individuals. Overall, for staff well-being, um, some policies have the potential to influence well-being, even though they're not necessarily directly about well-being. So it's really important to amalgamate the, the policy so that you are talking about mental health and well-being in those particular policies. So one would be drug and alcohol. Off the top of my head, drug and alcohol is often a policy there to sort of protect people, making sure that they're they're safe and effective at work. But then some people do experience a drug and alcohol substance misuse because they are experiencing poor mental health. We call it self-medicating and at times can lead to addiction. So is there something in your drug and alcohol policy that also says as an organisation, if you come to us, um, we will provide that help to support your mental health and well-being should you experience addiction or drug and alcohol misuse. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. 
seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Another one that comes up quite a lot in my line of work is the bereavement. So some organizations will have strict rules about how many days you can take off, for who, and it's not always um, as simple as if this person dies, you can have this many days off. Sometimes they, they're so strict that they don't necessarily take into consideration the impact that that might have on the person, on the family. And unfortunately, bereavements have ripple effects throughout um, not just the, the person, but the family, the organisation, sometimes even the community, particularly with um, with suicide. It's expected that lots of people will be impacted in that, not just the, the core family members. And sometimes with really strict policies, it, it doesn't leave much room for people to experience poor mental health. And it if, if you were a person reading that policy, you've lost somebody very close to you for whatever reason, and you read that policy and it says you're allowed two days off, you know, it affects people very differently. You know, their, their, their resilience, their vulnerability is very different. Um, and sometimes it's to do with the person, sometimes it's to do with the circumstances. And if policies aren't able um, to respect that, then unfortunately it's going to lead to poor employee and organizational outcomes. It will lead to conflict, high staff turnover. So I would always advise that everybody looks at their policies and looks at how they can support mental health and well-being. Look at how each one of those policies could potentially cause a risk um, or be a risk for poor mental health. And how can we better support somebody so that they understand if you have an unexpected bereavement, there is support out there for you. And please do talk to us. And we, we can discuss the, the days off that you need or, you know, any other additional support at work. So that would be a couple of examples there. But policies expected to support mental health and well-being. Make sure that you have a health and safety policy that mentions mental health. Think about your attendance, maternity, redundancy, parental leave, return to works and sickness absence is important. Uh, your disciplinary procedures, your bullying, harassment, equal opportunities, equality, diversity and inclusion. This is becoming a very long list, um, but it's, you know, all of these factors could cause poor mental health for somebody who is not being well supported within the organisation for those particular areas. So those are some policies off the top of my head, but it could be more depending on the nature of the business. Um, so you might have more policies in um, hospital settings compared to office settings. And, you know, that's because there are different levels of risk. It's important to think about how 
how many policies and procedures you need to um, to support that harmony in the workplace. Yeah, and and I think it's really interesting that you, that you're sort of encouraging people to to review them and, and think of them from almost like the employee's point of view as well. Because I'm you know when I I think back to when I was employed and we had sort of staff handbooks with all the policies in, and they were almost worded in a way of like. In, in sort of almost negative terminology towards the employee that, you know, if you, you know, taken for the for the drug and the alcohol policy, for example, if you come into work, you know, under the influence, you know, you'll have this disciplinary, this, you know, could be a sackable offences. It was all around this negativity. And actually, you, you mentioned in there about providing support or providing signposting elements. I don't recall any of that information being in any of the policies that I read. It was very much around sort of the, the legalities, the regulatory, very much on the organization's point of view rather than the employee's well-being. D- does that does that make sense? I totally agree. And most of the time when I read policies, they very much have exactly what as you've mentioned, it's it's geared towards supporting the organization um, and not necessarily the the employees and their well-being definitely in terms of health and safety I think we're very good at thinking about our physical safety but actually not so good at supporting mental health and well-being at work you know is if we do start to amalgamate the two there's no health there's no health without physical and mental health if we start to amalgamate everything together um, you will notice that the the organization will start to improve with their of staff morale, you'll have less instances of, of uh, conflicts and um, potentially accidents. Um, and again, it, it kind of goes back to that organisational harmony. If you have, if you feel safe and supported at work, people will behave in that way, they will support others, and it will have better organisational outcomes. Yeah, definitely. And, and if it's written in a warmer tone of voice and, and less negative and less them and us, as it were, you have a greater chance of the employee actually just coming to their team leader or their manager and just saying, actually, do you know what? I have I have an issue. I have a problem. I need support. And and then you create that environment of, of sort of open openness and transparency and honesty. Well, that's the thing. And, um, you know, there's a quite a large proportion of people will not go to their employ- employer or their manager because they're worried about the negative outcomes of talking about a problem at work conflict their mental health and and so if if we do start to have better policies and procedures in place like you say with the more encouraging warm and approachable language that then could have a a really positive impact on the workforce because as you said they might come to you with with these questions concerns and and their own personal concerns and hopefully um, we can encourage them to make safe decisions, to get support where, where it's needed, and that will have fantastic outcomes for both the employee and the organisation. Yes, yeah, definitely. And it is really encouraging as well to see sort of, um, you know, governance and, and regulations are adapting and becoming more into the 21st century with flexible working, working from home. Obviously, we've had to over the last year, but I think that will sort of be embedded across organisations now of sort of actually what does the staff want to do? What does the staff member want to do? But also, as well, I was really interested 
to see on the news, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, that um, it, it is in New Zealand, I know, but hopefully it will, will come over to, to us. But actually, they're, um, they're allowing time off for bereavement when there's been a miscarriage. Did, did you see that on the news? Yeah. Yeah. And, and even just that, that's sort of quite a powerful move forward that actually that, that is a, a living person that has passed away. So it's it's kind of, yeah, sort of giving people time to to cope with that experience that they're facing. Exactly, exactly. Um, and we're all different and we all cope differently. You know, our vulnerability changes day to day, really. So I think organisations need to do more to make sure that they recognise that everybody, every employee is different. We can't expect them to all fit into this box and um, respond in the same way to their day-to-day stress and yeah by by having a little bit more um, wiggle room and being able to take the time to understand the employee and their needs will have a really positive impact on on how they feel at work and 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 how they ultimately work within the organization so I think it's 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 great that people have started to recognize that more and it's certainly a, certainly a step in the right direction having days off for things like miscarriages um there are other organizations that provide separate days off for personal personal reasons and you don't necessarily have to say that you're taking time off sick it's more of a you know this is a personal day that I want to take and that's another step in the right direction to you know we're all human we all have emotions and unfortunately we do have stress in our life that that might um cause us to experience poor mental health and it's really common it's completely normal um, and help and guidance is there and available to support you if it's needed and policies can be something that will help employees feel more comfortable at being honest taking that time and and supporting themselves yeah definitely and I think if somebody is going through a, a challenging time in their life that's not work related actually how that organization deals with that can actually either make things a little bit easier for that individual or actually cause further harm by adding to that that stress and that anxiety and that over overwhelmingness definitely um it's something that i i work with with organizations to understand how people's mental health is affecting them and a question that i often ask is is this work related or is this personal or is this both because it can be a mixture and you're right. If you experience, if you are going through something, you're experiencing poor mental health. It's likely to have an impact on lots of different areas with you, within your life. So it has an impact on how you feel, how you learn, your memory, um, your relationships, how you socialise, your sleep, and then in turn that could impact how you work with within your within your organisation. Um, even if the the stressor at the beginning is is uh, originating from a personal concern it can have an influence on other areas of your life and we need to be respectful and mindful of that when we have employees that could be um, experiencing something outside of work that it still does impact us and that you know we want to create a safe space for them to be open and honest and be supported within the workplace and that will in turn support them which, you know, that's our primary goal, but then it has really beneficial um, outcomes for the organisation as well. And, and of course, we're not all capable of leaving our, our baggage at the door when we go to work, are we? Sort of, and then picking it up at the end of the day to take it home. 
absolutely not and it you know it depends on the day it depends on the situation it's yeah it's all very subjective everyone has a personal experience of something as as I mentioned at the beginning you know we're all likely to experience some poor mental health at some point in our life um it doesn't discriminate and we need to make sure that we understand how to support our employees to have a better working outcome yeah brilliant well I mean they're sort of all the questions I wanted to ask Ellis but is there any sort of final thoughts that you'd like to share any sort of you mentioned some top tips in there but is there anything that you'd really like the listeners to just sort of go away and implement straight away I think um, I would say to to finish that policies and procedures don't need to be these long, boring, convoluted documents that people avoid and struggle to understand. And, and it's really important that we do start to think of these policies as the foundation of working in harmony. And when you start to think about your policies and procedures in that way hopefully you will build that safe and supportive workplace so yeah please do have a look at your policies and procedures and um and and think about how you can improve them to improve uh, organizational functioning where everyone starts to work in harmony together fantastic and I, i do love that working in harmony i think it's it's just such a lovely phrase so yeah definitely there's one thing i'm taking away from this so thank you so much and and you've obviously been really helpful with with me and my policies and, and we're now working on a going to be working on a bereavement policy as well aren't we to, to put forward so if anyone listening to this episode wanted to get in touch with you with regards to their policies how how can you support them and how can they get in touch with you so I always give free consultations if anyone wants to get in touch with me and ask any questions at all. I'm always happy to, to set up a phone call or a meeting at any point. Um, so I do have a website, which is mindsetmentalhealth.co.uk, and they can get in contact with me through the contact form there um, and we can set up a meeting at any point. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm going to put all those information details in, in the episode details so people will be able to have those links. So, you know, thank you so much, Ellis, for your time today. It's been absolutely fantastic. I hope you've enjoyed being a guest as well and sharing your thoughts. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So thank you for listening to this episode of Unlocking Vulnerability. Please take care of yourself and stay safe and well. If there has been anything that's resonated in this episode, please do reach out to some charities and organisations that can support you. And again, we'll put the episode, uh, we'll put the details of them in the episode description for you. Remember to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can also follow me on Twitter at hpetifertrain, and I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.